Money Pit is presented by the Metal Roofing Alliance. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And I have a question for you. What are you planning for this weekend? Is it a home improvement project that you want to get done? Well, if it is, you're in the right place because this so happens that's what we do. We're always picking up the hammers and picking up the saws and picking up the paintbrushes and getting something done around our money pits. And if you need help tackling your project, reach out to us with your questions. You can do that by going to moneypit.com slash ask. Just click the blue microphone button or call us at 1-888-MONEYPIT. Coming up on today's episode, is your laundry coming out of the dryer feeling damp or maybe looking wrinkled? We've got some dryer hacks that can put a whole new spin on the best way to dry your clothes. And if you'd like to protect your home against anything Mother Nature can throw at it, installing a metal roof can do just that. We're going to share the latest options in metal roofs. And if you guys love the look of greenery around the outside of your house, but seem to have only a black thumb when it comes to getting that green to flourish inside your house, we have a solution. But first, do you love your home, but sometimes feel like it's an endless pit that you're throwing money into for home improvements and repairs? We get it. We can help, though, you guys. We can help you tackle your to-dos with confidence. No project is too big or too small for us to lend a hand. So let us know what you are working on this fall weekend. And you can do that by calling us at 1-888-MONEYPIT. That's 888-666-3974 or going to moneypit.com slash ask. Heading out to Missouri, we've got Diane on the line who's dealing with an old bathroom. What's happening in your older home? Well, it's actually my son's home. Um, He's out of the country right now, so I'm trying to help him out with some maintenance things. But um, Mm -hmm. it doesn't have a fan for ventilation, and so there's some renters in the house right now, and they complained of uh, mold on the ceiling. And um, I just wonder, it's it's on the ground floor, and so getting to it, like, from – Going through the ceiling to to mount a ceiling ventilation fan would be kind of difficult, I think. Um, so, are there options for workarounds for having a ceiling ventilation for bathroom ventilation? Is this bathroom on an exterior wall? Um, yeah. Okay, so I presume there's a window, right? There's a window, but it's painted shut, and it's an old, well, non-functioning window. Yeah, so I mean, unfortunately, there's a building code out there in a lot, a lot of places that says if you have a window, you don't have to have a bath fan. As if you know, you'd be happy to have that window wide open in the winter. It's just kind of a silly thing. But look, there's a couple of things you can do. You could install a bath fan in the exterior wall. It doesn't necessarily have to be in the ceiling. Sometimes we see these in the wall themselves. It just has to be flashed properly so it doesn't leak on the outside. Um, I would also recommend, since you're putting it in from scratch, that you wire it to a humidistatic switch, which basically means it runs as long as it has to, to take the moisture out of that room after you're done showering. And since you have to run, you'd have to run the wire and the switch anyway, you might as well use a humidistat, that will help. Now, you mentioned that putting it in the ceiling would be difficult. It may or may not. Depends on the direction of the floor joists above. If they happen to be perpendicular with the wall of the windows on, it might be possible to to install a bath fan in that ceiling and run the duct in between those floor joists on its way sort of outside the house. Certainly a lot more difficult, but not impossible. And I've done the project myself. You've got to make sure you have the joists that are running the right direction and there's no obstructions so that you can get a duct up above that fan and then run it towards the exterior wall. 
Oh, yeah, I hadn't thought about that. So you'd be able to kind of tell, could you just use like a set finder to identify where which direction the joists were running? Okay, yeah. You can use my favorite stud finder, which is a, which is a hammer. <laughs> I'll tap okay. on the ceiling, and you can hear you can hear where you're on the on the uh, on the on the joist. And the other thing to do, another another trick, is if you take a, a flashlight, like a pretty strong like LED flashlight, and you hold that flashlight up against the ceiling, so not pointed, but like flush, so it's like parallel to the ceiling. As that beam casts its glow across the ceiling, you'll be able to see every nail and every trowel mark and know exactly where those studs are. It shows it up uh-huh. really well. Yeah. Okay? Okay. Yeah, that's great. Okay. You're a good mom for taking care of your son's house while he's away. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. Thanks so much for You're the welcome, call. Yeah. That's great information. Oh, you got it. Good luck. Uh, thanks. Bye-bye. Kenneth in Tennessee, you've got the money pit. What's going on? Yeah, hi. I was calling about some hardwood flooring we had installed in our home. It's cupping, and uh, we, we purchased the home. and had hickory floor in it, so... We worked with a local floor company and tried to match the existing flooring, and we put it in four rooms, and now it seems like uh, it started cupping, like almost immediately, and I went back to the distributor and the local installer, and he was not very copacetic, didn't want to work with us, kept putting us off. Long story short, it's been over a year floor still cups. I understand I might be able to put a humidifier in here, or rather a dehumidifier, and it might help, but uh, what's the solution? Is there any solution short of ripping it out and putting it back in? I think it was installed improperly. Well, Ken, unfortunately, when wood starts to warp like that, there's not a lot you can do to kind of get it to lay back down. It's usually caused by high moisture. You said that perhaps it was improperly installed, not sure if that's the case or not, but when it starts to twist and warp, it's usually because there's too much humidity. So one thing I would suggest you do is if you have a forced air heating system and cooling system in your house, look into picking up a whole home dehumidifier. This will work automatically to reduce the amount of humidity and moisture in your home and keep it at a steady place where hopefully it won't get much worse. Now, if the wood seems to stabilize after that, you could think about sanding it. If you have it professionally sanded, it will take up the edges that are perhaps uh, warped and sticking up a bit, help them sort of lay down. And if we get it to be stable, you may, in the long run, not even notice it anymore. But I hope that helps you out. Sorry it happened to you, but good luck with the project. And if we can help you any further, get back to us. Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than 100 times higher. Plus, every spring we get sucked with allergens, too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites, and mold. Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. 
Lock this special offer in right now by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-Pro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's AirDoctorPro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. Hey, you're tired of living in a money pit? Well, we're here to help. And if you want us to help out, it would be awesome if you could leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Just go to MoneyPit.com slash review. It's only going to take a minute, and it means the world to us. Julianne in Massachusetts, you've got the money pit. How can we help you today? For the past several years, have used silicone caulking to fill in a one-half-inch gap between the bottom of the back door sill and the concrete walkway that comes up to it to keep water and critters from coming through. Okay. It breaks down very easily, so it needs to be replaced, and it's such a big gap, it really doesn't hold up well. Right. So I was thinking of using the expandable foam, but I was told that is not waterproof. Yeah. And someone else recommended using hydraulic cement to fill in that gap and make like a lip there to keep um, keep the elements out. So I the sill is the bottom sill of a door. It's not the, is it the kind of sill that could be removed off of the concrete? No, it's okay. it, it is it's already off of the concrete, but it's right. that gap that's there. I'm trying to find okay. out how to fill that in. Is it does it have some give when you step on it because there's a gap underneath it? Does it uh, does it bend and twist at all? Not at all. It's very sturdy. So here's what I would do. I would get some I would get some cement, epoxy patching, epoxy repair cement. Uh-huh. It's very adhesive, okay? It'll stick to the old concrete surface. Clean out as much as you can of what you've put in there before. And then I would very carefully with a very small trowel, or you may even be able to do this with like a putty knife, I would start to pack the underside of that sill with that epoxy patching cement okay. until the point where it just starts to squeeze out ever so slightly from the bottom of that sill. And then I would just let it harden right in place. So two things will happen. You'll seal the gap and also you'll reinforce that open space because one of the reasons that the caulk falls out is because caulk is rubbery and it's just going to bend and flex and tear away. But if you use a solid cement to fill that gap, you're not going to have this problem anymore. Good idea. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Good luck with that project. Joe in Rhode Island, you've got the money pit. What's going on with your insulation? Well, we built a new home. Yep. And it's two by six construction uh, okay. with a truss truss roof. Yep. And I used uh, open open uh, cell sprayed in insulation, and they come yep. in and then they shave it all down to the studs. Yep. So we have a completely sealed envelope of the of the structure itself. Okay. Now, when it's a it's a truss roof, so there's really no attic, but there is a space up there. Okay. When you sheetrock the whole ceiling and close that off, do I need to be concerned with some sort of ventilation in no, the not attic at all. space? Not at all. Where did they insulate in the attic? Did they insulate under the roof uh, itself? They, insul- or, they or? insulated the roof right to the plywood roof. Yeah. Nope. You absolutely do not need to ventilate a spray foam house. And, and here's why. Because basically now that attic is a conditioned space. I have a spray foamed attic. It's terrific because it's it's pretty much the same temperature as the rest of the house all the time. It used to be that it was, you know, super hot in the, in the summer and really cold in the winter. Now it's pretty much even, Stephen. And the fact that you use spray foam means that it expanded and sealed all the little cracks and gaps and crevices so you're not going to have any problems with uh, okay. with drafts getting in there so you do not need to ventilate that roof now how about um we have a um, mechanical equipment up there i have the air conditioning unit up there yep mm-hmm. um no concerns with with that in that space either 
No, it'll even work better because now, you know, when it's trying to cool in the summer, it's not going to be doing so in an attic space that's 110 degrees. All right. I was concerned because there's absolutely no ridge vent, no soffit vent. Yeah, no, that, no... That's, that is done correctly, uh, and we have to start thinking differently. Now, we use attic ventilation when we use products like fiberglass because we have to manage the moisture. But with spray foam ventilation, that is not an issue. That is now a conditioned part of your house, just like any room in your house. You may not okay. have heating ducts up there, but it does not need to be ventilated. Fantastic. All right. That's a good choice. All right. All right. Very good. Good luck, Joe. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, warm clothes fresh from the dryer feel great. But what about the laundry that comes out wrinkled, damp, staticky? We've got five tips to keep your clothes and you looking your best. Now, first of all, you may be shocked in a good way to learn that aluminum foil can eliminate static. So instead of using dryer sheets, just crumple up a piece of foil into a tight, smooth ball and toss it into the dryer. It works and there's less waste because that foil can be used multiple times. And you need to dry your clothes out as fast as possible? We'll do this. Take a clean, dry towel and add it to your wet laundry for the first 15 minutes of the drying cycle and then remove it. The dry towel absorbs some of the moisture from your clothes so they'll dry faster. Now, are your clothes coming out of the dryer a wrinkly mess? Well, letting your dry clothes sit in the dryer too long, that's what the problem is. So go ahead, toss a handful of ice cubes into the dryer, and then run a quick cycle. The steam from those ice cubes is going to get rid of those wrinkles. And I hate to say it, guys, but uh, another way to avoid those wrinkles is to simply fold your laundry right after they're finished drying. I mean, come on. Mine generally end up on the chair in the bedroom for at least a few hours. So I get it. And how about this? Are your clothes always accessorized with maybe pet hair? Well, if you love Fido or Fluffy, but you don't like wearing their fur, try drying your clothes first before putting them in the washing machine. The dryer will lift off the hair before the material gets wet. And there's nothing worse than having your sheets and blankets ball up into a big wet wad or, you know, the things that are sort of stuck in the corners of your fitted sheets as well. (laughs) Here's a tip. If you add a few clean tennis balls into the dryer, they're going to tumble around and improve that air circulation so any of those large items are going to dry properly. Lisa in Michigan's on the line with a window question. What's going on at your money pit? So what I wanted to do is I wanted to put shutters on the house, but I'm not sure which color or which style. Okay. But the only way to, to fasten the shutters is to drill into the siding. Oh, interesting. So I don't really okay. want to do that because if it doesn't work out, then I have holes <laughs> in my siding. Got holes in your siding, yeah. That's a good question. Hmm, got to get creative on this. Well, let's, let me ask you this. If you put the shutters up, are they all going to be about the same size? Yes. Well, then I don't think it really matters because the the, the the you could you could make sure that the drill pattern is the same no matter what's what style sh- a shutter you put up. But I may find out that shutters don't work at all. Now, Lisa, do you have any friends who are good at Photoshop? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I just didn't know if there were any if there were any fasteners that locked into the to the siding. You know, there is a there are types of fasteners that are designed to uh, snap into vinyl siding without causing damage, and they're often used by electricians or cable TV um, installers, and they're actually called siding clips. And um, basically, they're designed to kind of hold a wire and then clip under the siding so you don't have to actually pierce the siding. You may be able to find those 
and uh, and you know install some of those clips and then try to figure out a way to hang the shutter to the clip at least temporarily so you can you know have an idea as to whether or not it looks good and, and you're happy with it before making making that commitment. So look for those um, vinyl siding hanging um, sliding clips they're called. And maybe that will get you where you want to go. Or as Leslie said, best bet, learn Photoshop. (laughs) Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IAPMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to aquatrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U dot com and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to aquatrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T. Money Pit. Steve in Hawaii. Aloha. Welcome to the Money Pit. We've got this really nice travertine tile in our kitchen and some other parts of our home too, but the kitchen is primarily the part that I'm bothered by. And you can see spots where things have spilled. We've, you know, drops of whatever. I think lemon juice happened was one of the cases. You look at the tile, it's very nice. But if you look at it from an angle, you can see the gloss, except for these random spots about the size of a nickel that are no longer glossy, where something has spilled and basically taken the gloss off. And I wonder if there's some product or some treatment that I can do to the floor to restore the gloss to make it look like it's a nice new floor again, or at least look better than how it looks now. Right. Well, I mean, certainly marble does need a lot more maintenance than most other surfaces. Even though people think it's really durable, it really does need cleaning and sealing and that sort of thing. Now, if you have a professional do it, they're going to come in, they're going to buff it, and it's going to look you know, beautiful. But there are some do-it-yourself products. Uh, one of the most common manufacturers in that line is called Stone Care. And they have a number of cleaners and sealers and polishes that are designed for travertine. So I think that's a good place to start. Take a look at StoneCare.com. I'm sure their products are pretty widely distributed. And I think you might find the solution there. So do I want a, a sealer or a cleaner? What, 
product am I looking for? Well, you have cleaners, you have polish, and you have sealers, right? And it really depends on the condition of, of the marble. I would certainly start with a cleaner. And if you're seeing a lot of um, where you think the pores are really opened up, then you might want to add a sealer and then polish on top of that. But um, it's it's kind of a multi-step process, and it is a lot of work. And, and that's why a lot of times these solid stone, even countertops, that folks get and think that it's kind of a one-and-done thing, they're just like sorely mis- disappointed, especially the first time they spill you know coffee or tomato juice and have a stain to deal with. Yeah. Okay. We'll give it a try. Thanks Good for luck. your uh, yep. advice. You're very welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT. Hey, guys, if you'd like to protect your home against anything that Mother Nature can throw at it, installing a metal roof can definitely do just that and a lot more. In fact, metal roofs last three times longer than asphalt shingle roofs, require virtually no maintenance, and are pretty much the most sustainable roof choice you can make. Renee Ramey is the executive director of the Metal Roofing Alliance and joins us now to talk about why metal roofs are a great way to add value to your home while protecting it from hurricane or tornado force winds, as well as hail, ice, snow, and even fire. Pretty much covers it all. Welcome, Renee. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. We love metal roofs. They're so beautiful. Uh, But I think a lot of folks don't realize how they've changed since the sort of tin roofs of of days of of old, right? Absolutely. A lot of people envision barn roofs. They're a long way from that. So let's talk about some of the qualities of today's metal roofs. We mentioned the storm resistance. That's become increasingly more important than ever. Can you talk about the way metal roofs are assembled when they go on a roof and why they're so durable to high wind? Yeah, absolutely. A a quality metal roof is not just tin slapped on with some nails or some screws. They're actually metal systems, metal roofing systems. And those systems include a lot of times being fastened down with uh, screws or clips that you cannot see before a metal uh, roof component is attached to that, um, you know, they kind of marry together. So, yeah, there's a lot of extra screws and enforcement within those metal roofing systems that make them very strong and able to just withstand whatever Mother Nature throws at it. What about fire rating? I mean, we're seeing such more frequent occurrence in wildfires across the country. How does a metal roof stand up in that situation? Great question. We uh, Most quality metal roofing systems are going to be rated as Class A fire, which means um, we like to call it ember-resistant. So obviously when a, a burning ember falls on something that's metal, it's not going to ignite and catch fire as quickly. And certainly with metal roofs, the way they're installed, um, they're very tightly installed, which means that there's not a lot of opportunity, if done correctly, for embers to you know, not just land on the roof, but, you know, get up under the eaves and things of that nature. Um, there's certainly a lot of ways metal roofing plays into that to make it a Class A system. Renee, you know, metal roofs can last, I, I think I said in my intro, three times longer than asphalt roofs. I've seen them last up to 100 years, frankly. But they're so darn durable, they, they do really last a long, long time, which in and of itself makes it a very sustainable choice. But one area of metal roofing technology that I am confident not too many people know about is how metal roofs have coatings on them now that reflect the UV heat that comes out of the sun. So it makes them actually a very, very cool and comfortable roof. They actually are lower temperature uh, when you take the readings than asphalt shingle roofs. You know, anybody that's been like me, a, a home inspector for years, anyone that's ever been on their roof, 
in the summer knows it just really throws a lot of heat off. Metal roofs don't do that because of the coating system. So can you explain how that works? Yeah, uh, there's a coating system, a whole vast array of coating systems that are referred to as cool coatings. And within that, it means that the composition of the coatings themselves, the paint colors and or the stone coating on a roof is such that um, they have materials or substances within that coating that do reflect, as you said, the UV rays. So they will actually not only reflect, but there's also a term called emissivity where they will emit back out. So even if the ray isn't immediately reflected away and some heat is absorbed, um, the emissivity factor comes into play where, you know, the roof will offlet a lot of that heat and not let it down into the, the home itself. So, yes, cool coatings are an amazing thing, and, and I certainly want to install a roof on a home without it. So, Renee, in addition to a metal roof lasting 50 years, what are some other ways that it can enhance your home sustainability? And, you know, how does it look from a resale standpoint? Yeah, great question. So, from a re- resale standpoint, the research we've done, uh, we find that it adds at least 6% um, to the value of your home just by, you know, surely putting on a metal roof, and that's for the reasons related to the benefits that it provides. Beyond the increased resale value, we also see a lot of, on the sustainability or environmental front, you know, it's it's a lot easier to clean, certainly, you know, once a year to twice a year, depending on where you live at most, and typically very easy, just a garden hose, you know, running on it, very, very simple, clean process. Most metal roofs are made out of recycled content, some portion of recycled content, and all metal roofs um, at the end of their life are 100% recyclable. So from a landfill perspective, that story we like to share is asphalt roofs end up in landfill. Metal roofing does not need to end up in in landfill. It can be recycled. And um, probably related to that a bit is is in many situations on on a home, a metal roof can be installed over the top of the existing asphalt roof. Again, that's not every situation, but in a lot of situations. And so that's a great thing because it saves from that asphalt roofing actually being put into a landfill when you're doing the re-roof. Yeah, that's a good point. I've, I've always advised against that only because I felt like it was, you know, just unnecessarily having a lot of extra weight in the house and another, another surface that could retain heat. But I see your point. There's another side of that, which is it's more sustainable to kind of leave it right there. So to each his own. Renee Ramey is the executive director of the Metal Roofing Alliance, and they've done a really good job of providing materials that help educate folks about metal roofing. They've got a fantastic buyer's guide on their website right now. I encourage you to check out. It's at metalroofing.com, metalroofing.com slash buyer's guide. I'm sure you'll see it right there on the homepage. Renee, thank you so much for stopping by the Money Pit and for educating us on the benefits of metal roof. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Lynn in Arkansas is on the line and needs some help with the chimney. What can we do for you? Well, I have a uh, 1980s brick fireplace. It is surrounded by library paneling, so the brick surface area is just the hearth and a row of bricks on either side of the fireplace and perhaps two rows of bricks above the fireplace until it meets the mantle and then library paneling from there up. I want to give it a facade, and I thought about stuccoing it or plaster of Paris or perhaps tiling it. I want to attempt to do this myself, and I didn't know if I was overstepping my boundaries. Leslie, I think the tiling is kind of a cool idea because that would be very attractive on a fireplace. I like that a lot better than stuccoing it. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, I even like outside of tiling, you can face it with marble or a granite. Mm -hmm. And that can really look beautiful. And you can do that in a fuller sheet. They almost do it in three pieces. And that looks stunning. You can also do it in a a faux stone. So it looks like a ledge stone or a river rock. You know, that really gives it some characteristic. I mean, it's gorgeous that way. Could this go directly on top of the brick? Or would I need to uh, prep the brick? I I imagine I would need to seal the um, brick grout lines um, to make it uh, a smooth finish. Perhaps no, because the, the well, I mean, the tile could pretty much go over that. Right, and it you're might adhesive. Be a little tricky. Yeah, yeah, you would adhere it right to the brick. It might be a little tricky on the grout, but I, I don't think you have to put any kind of sheathing over it or anything like that. Okay, I mean, cool. Very I good. wouldn't. I think your adhesive is going to be enough. The only instance is if you had like a super uneven surface. Like I had mm-hmm. a very old fireplace that the surface was... It almost was like a coral, but it was like this old cement stucco that looked like coral that was all uneven. And I put, you know, a cement board over that just to give me a level playing field. But if you've got an even surface, I think that's the way to go. Wonderful. Okay, I'm going to try this. All right. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, if you'd like to choose the best plants for inside your home this winter, the first step is really knowing your house. Which room gets west, north, south, east lighting during the day? Is it sunny in the morning versus the afternoon? And once you kind of see the patterns there, you can choose your plants accordingly. So what type of house plants are the most popular and which work the best in varying levels of low to bright light? Here's a couple of top line tips. First off, ficus. I love ficus. I used to have a beautiful ficus tree. It's the number one plant that's most requested from nurseries, but it's not a very practical plant for a home, which I will attest to. They're difficult to maintain when they are grown in full sunlight, and they will drop a lot of dense foliage. You'll always end up having to clean up all of those leaves, which we did frequently. And I tell you what, it also gets a bit sappy, but I still love it because it's just so rich. As a part of our indoor space, we had a very tall one in a room that had a cathedral ceiling, and we loved it. Now, another thing that you should be keeping in mind is when exactly you need to repot a plant. If your plant isn't absorbing water, either it's full of roots and not absorbing properly, or it's so full of roots that there's nowhere for that water to go, and it's time to repot that plant. So when you do it, in general, you want to go up about two inches in pot size, You want to use potting soil, not to be confused with topsoil, which is used outside. And you want to use rocks or even pieces of a broken clay pot to line a pot with holes. This way, the dirt isn't going to clog those holes. The plant can drain properly. And once you've done that, add some soil. You can go almost to the rim, then add your plant, fill with dirt to cover, and make sure you're just watering things thoroughly. Now, if even with those tips, you still are challenged on keeping houseplants alive, we've got more tips on MoneyPit.com. Just Google 13 hard-to-kill houseplants on MoneyPit.com. George in Texas is on the line with the driveway question. What can we do for you today? Well, I uh, was wondering about some uh, fairly big cracks in my concrete driveway. Anything to do with that? So are these new cracks, George, or uh, have they been there for a while? Uh, Yeah, they've been there for a while. The concrete's probably 40 years old. Okay, and how wide are the cracks? How far open are they? Maybe a half inch. Two things. Um, Number one, you can repair these, and QuickCrete makes a number of products that that can help. Um, But one thing that you want to do is, because the cracks are so wide, is you're going to have to insert what's called a backer rod in there first, which is like a very small foam tube. 
and you press that down until it's about a half inch below the surface or maybe three-eighths of an inch below the surface. And then you can use a flowable urethane caulk on top of that. And and the reason you're putting the backer rod in there is so, so that you don't lose a lot of the, of the joint sealing material down all the way down to the ground. And once you do this, and if you do it right, then that seal will expand and contract and it won't crack again. Okay, so you, you stuff the crack with a backer rod, and then you repair it with a urethane sealant. Okay, what is it I'm putting first in the crack? It's called a backer rod. It's like a, a foam tube. Oh, okay. It's like a styrofoam tube. It comes in different, just different diameters just to fill the gap. I see, okay. And then all the smaller ones just don't do that. Put the, the second item in there. And then you apply the flowable urethane, okay? And that ought to do it. Okay, thank you so much. You're welcome. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Lisa in Texas reached out to the Money Pit and she says, I recently bought a home that was built in 1960 and I'm noticing that some of the original outlets have only two prongs while others have three. Why is this and will it limit what I can plug into them? That's a very good question. It's a common issue. And here's the difference, Lisa. Both kinds of outlets feature hot and neutral wires, but the three-prong outlets have a grounding wire while the two-prong outlets don't. And since the three-prong outlets have this grounding wire, they are much, much safer to use than the two-prong outlets. You can't just put in a three-prong outlet into a house that's wired for two because, again, you're missing that additional grounding feature. All right. I hope that helps you out. It's all in the name of keeping you safe. Now, here we go. We've got Bill wrote in. He lives in Hagerstown, Maryland, saying, I just had a new concrete driveway put in, and I want to know if I should apply a sealer, and if so, what kind? Yep. I mean, definitely. Regularly sealing your concrete surface is an excellent method for safeguarding its longevity. You know, not only does it aid in the prevention of cracks, but it also maintains its initial appearance, and it will shield it from staining and other damage that can be caused by the weather. Now, acrylic sealers are really the best. They give you good performance at a cost-effective price. They are also frequently combined with epoxies or polyurethanes or silicones to enhance their performance, their durability, and their water resistance. It's really important, though, that when you choose your sealer, you make sure it says vapor permeable on the can. That means that If you get some moisture in that driveway, which you're ultimately going to do, it will evaporate itself right back out the way it came in and not stay in the concrete, freeze, expand, and cause cracks. All right, that's a great tip because, Bill, winter's on its way, and it can do a lot of damage. Well, if you're only using your microwave to heat up leftovers, you might be missing out on some other very handy uses. Leslie has tips on what those are in today's edition of Leslie's Last Word. Leslie? Yeah, you know, guys, a microwave is a great appliance to have for heating up your leftovers, warming soup, all making popcorn, all those great things. But did you know that you can disinfect your sponges and get rid of that funky smell in a microwave? Well, here's what you do. You just soak those sponges in a water and vinegar mix and then zap them for a minute. You can also do the same with a cutting board. Just rub a little lemon on it, heat it for a minute, and say goodbye to last night's raw chicken germs. Now, have you ever found that you go to get the honey because you're making a cup of tea because it's autumn and you want to relax, but that jar of honey is all crystallized and solid? Well, you can bring it back to life on medium power for 30 seconds. You can also cut grilling time on potatoes if you heat them for two minutes and bell peppers for just one minute before you put them on the grill. You just have to make sure that you use oven mitts when you take things out of the microwave because things do get crazy hot. Sometimes dishes get crazy hot, and you want to just avoid getting a nasty burn. 
Now, another great tip for your microwave is to warm up citrus fruits. Not only is this going to help release the juice when you're using them in recipes, but it also helps release the oils in the skin for zesting or flushing out just that pleasant scent when you're displaying those citrus fruits in a pretty bowl. I mean, it really does make them very nice. It's a beautiful, all-natural air freshener. Who doesn't love the smell of fresh oranges and lemons? So that's a great trick, and there's some other fun things you could be doing with the microwave. Great tips. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. Coming up next time on the program, are you guys looking for an easy way to make your heating system more efficient, maybe spend a little less money on heating this winter? Well, it could be as simple as changing your furnace filter, but not all of those filters are created equal. We're going to share how to pick out the one that's right for your house on the very next edition of the Money Pit. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. 